94%. And you've been listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Janice Wong and your guest presenter is Philip Wong. Good morning, Philip. Good morning, Janice. On today's program, we're talking about the regulation of online gaming on the mainland. Authorities are currently drawing up new regulations for online games aimed at limiting how much money and time people spend on video games. A draft of the new rules that shocked the market and sent shares of gaming-related companies tumbling before the National Press and Publication Administration gave assurances that it would revise and improve the rules after taking various opinions into account. It also approved 105 new video games for sale in the mainland, the highest number in almost one and a half years. And what some industry insiders say is a signal of support for the development of the gaming industry. So what do you think about the move to regulate online games? Is it a welcome intervention to prevent vulnerable people from falling into addiction? Or just a market intervention? Can a balance be struck? After 9.45, we'll talk about calls to keep government-funded recycling centres open during the holidays after a large amount of recyclables were spotted outside a facility in Hong Hum over the Christmas break. And of course, let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266. Now to kick off our discussion this morning, we have on the line Dr. Nick Dare, Assistant Professor from the Department of Applied Social Sciences at the HKCT Institute of Higher Education, and Timothy Hoffman, a therapist from Hoffman Psychological Counseling. Good morning, Dr. Dare. Hello, good morning, everyone. Good morning, and uh, good morning, Mr. Hoffman. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. So, um, Mr. Hoffman, let's uh, first get your reaction to the new regulations. Uh, now it was uh, in... 2021, when Beijing set uh, strict time limits for players younger than 18, allowing them to only play online games for an hour on Fridays, weekends and holidays. And uh, the latest raft of measures goes goes even further, basically uh, banning online games from offering rewards that entice people to excessively play and spend, including um, those for daily logins and uh, topping up up accounts with additional funds. Um, What do you think of the latest measures? Well, I mean, I, I think that a lot of people in the West, uh, a lot of parents in the West have a great deal of China envy right now. They'd love to be able to do that with their children. The, the, the issue is it's, it's very hard for individual parents to do this kind of a thing. But when the government comes in and says this is a blanket ban, then uh, it takes the pressure off the parents and all the kids are basically in the same, in the same boat. So the, the, I, I guess there's much less social pressure to, uh, you know, that you would get in, you know, in a Western society if one set of parents or even a class of parents said to their children, you're not going to be able to uh, game as often as you like, um, they would feel very deprived. But if everyone's being deprived, then no one feels that bad. All right. Dr. Jay, uh, what's your yes. view on the new measures? Yes, I, I think uh, the, the policy has three uh, phrases. The first phase is in 2018, uh, the government tried to regulate the monitoring uh, the contents and the number of games in the market. And the 2021 uh, focused on controlling the underage online gaming activities and restricted like uh, 
uh, only allowing one hour of gaming on the weekends and also Sundays. And the recently a proposal and uh, consultation papers uh, will extend the consumption uh, on the gaming times and also the in-game currency and the trading system within the games. I think uh, that the regulations uh, measures are becoming increasing comprehensive. I think the impact is um, on one hand to give the uh, impressions of the general public that uh, the governments are keep uh, eyes on the uh, uh, try to balance between the, the gaming industry in, industry and also the, the uh, mental health conditions of our adolescents. And um, that is also a good uh, uh, perspective that uh, the, the regulations are trying to restrict the excessive gaming of uh, young, among the young people and also the high values consumptions in the games. Um, and also, uh, some of the games, they uh, include some uh, random draws and also some, uh, 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 some probabilities uh, for the young people to get some uh, skin and also some uh, special items from the games that will also um, um, uh, make the uh, may may have a kind of uh, gambling involved in 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 the uh, gaming uh, activities because we know that uh, if a kind of games including some uh, lucky draw or some uh, gambling um, uh, things in the games, it will also uh, further um, harm our young people to involve some uh, 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 maybe online gambling activities, for example. Yeah, Dr. J, so what you're talking about, it's a lot, uh, it's called uh, loot boxes, and it's quite popular um, in a lot of games such as, you know, FIFA. <laughs> Back in the day, you know, I can relate this um, as well. You know, I spent quite some money on it too, and later found out that, you know, it was kind of useless. But this is kind of important. I think I think the new regulations in um, China that they're trying to implement will be, will be good to, you know, reduce loot boxes. And in some ways, it's akin to gambling. But on the other hand, you know, they're also talking about reducing the number of hours uh, played, so instead of playing on the allowing them to play on the weekdays, it's now they're uh, they're proposing uh, only on the weekends, on Friday, Saturday, and Sundays for one hour versus uh, ninety minutes. Uh, yeah. I think it was every day. So, what do you think about that, um, Doctor J? Is is that a bit too much, or do you think that's appropriate? I I, I think um, it it is a balance because uh, as the young people when they uh, uh, develop develop themselves, they need to engage with uh, different activities and uh, involve in some uh, different uh, social interactions with people. And as a parent, uh, they don't uh, expect their children to spend uh, a whole day long uh, with the uh, gaming activities. That's why the government try to, uh, on one hand, leave a room for the young people they are uh, playing games on the weekends and Sundays. And on the other hand, uh, they are also uh, promote and suggest the uh, primary school and also secondary school to enhance the, the, the physical health activities in the school. For example, in the uh, primary schools, those children, they may need to uh, involve um, uh, 30, 30 uh, minutes uh, exercise per day. And for the uh, secondary school students, they may uh, maybe uh, two or three days uh, have a, a, a physical education class for them to strike the balance between uh, stress on uh, 
uh, academics and also uh, to expand their scope of life to involve uh, their uh, physical health buildings and also have an and they can maybe uh, sometimes to playing games on the weekends. I think it is a kind of um, balance for uh, people. But uh, for me, as a social worker, so we're always thinking about how to uh, help our young people to uh, gain their controls to uh, strike a, a, a balance of their life and also uh, uh, develop their healthy lifestyle in their in their life. Because uh, not only the gaming, there in the world, there are different attractive things for the young people. For example, um, uh, uh, using mobile phones, chat with friends and uh, uh, drinking, uh, uh, substance use and uh, gambling. Different things will attract the young people. So uh, as an educator and social worker, we try to uh, need to uh, uh, teach or educate our young people how to uh, manage their life in a healthy way. Right. I just want to go back to uh, Mr. Hoffman. Um, at the start of the program, you uh, when when you talked about the new regulations, you said it would be a it would uh, make it easier for parenting and it would put less uh, social pressure on kids uh, when it comes to uh, online gaming. Um, from what you're saying, does it mean uh, you see uh, you, you believe there is a serious problem when it comes to uh, online gaming or online uh, gaming addiction? What's your assessment? Well, Yes, well, we're in the middle of this incredible uh, live experiment in the world where in the past really, you know, 13, 14 years, we've had um, high functioning mobile phones that can that face that have forward facing cameras. And uh, that enables gaming and it enables social media consumption on unprecedented scale. And the results that we're seeing in the Anglophone world and even in Nordic countries is not is not good. I mean, the mental health of children is going very, you know, it's not looking it's not looking good at all. For example, you know, the number of the percentage of major of teen U.S. teens with major depression has gone from 12 percent to almost 30 percent just between 2010 2019. That's like a two and a half fold increase in just nine years, and that that was among girls, and it went from five to 12 percent among boys since 2010. Big increases in suicide and self-harm. Now, is this coming from gaming? Is it coming from social media? Is it coming from too much Netflix? Uh, we don't know. There's some indication that social media is more harmful than, than gaming, but certainly gaming is not going to be great for kids. So does it not make sense for us to start reining this back and saying, let's not, let's not put this out for everyone to use unlimited and just see what happens. Yeah, Mr. Hoffman, I mean, the, the thing for me is, you know, it, it, sure, it, it, it's a good, in, in some ways, it's good to put a limit on online gaming or gaming in, in general. But what about other things that, you know, Dr. J mentioned as well, like, you know, mobile phones, social media, you know, all of these things, like if we, if we start doing like controlling and controlling and controlling, then you know, <laughs> it's going to be a lot to control. So really, I mean, don't, don't you don't you think a big part of it is also to do with like, you know, educating these like children, teenagers, and also a lot from parenting as well? I mean, that plays a big part, isn't it? Doesn't it? Yes. But, you know, if you if you put the emphasis on, on parents to control this, yes, they can do that when the child is five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 
try try to control your child's uh, internet use or you know, gaming or social media use when they're 13, 14, 15, good luck with that. <laughs> Yeah, I guess my mom would and say yes. My son is like that as well. Yeah. Um, yes. So I mean, but I mean, so what? What? What are the? I guess in terms of online gaming, though, there there are some positives as well into it, though, isn't there? I mean, oh, yes. social skills. Yeah. It's it's good in terms of like you know, for someone that's like an introvert, for example, you know, they can use this uh, online platform to develop their social skills. Absolutely. I mean, there are there are people, some of my clients. Their, their one connection with other people is through the friends that they have online. And so this is quite a serious thing. I mean, no government policy is going to have universal 100% good effects for everybody. There's always going to be people, people are going to get hurt. Right. You, you so make a case. Sorry, go on. It's all right. Um, Mr. Hoffman, you just mentioned your clients. I mean, what have you noticed in the past few years? Are, are there more people seeking help for um, gaming addiction, for example, or, or uh, phone addiction? I mean, most of the, the people who come seeking help for these kinds of things are the parents seeking help for their children because the child thinks, hey, I'm doing fine. You know, I'm, I'm getting by in school. I may not have the best grades, but I'm getting by. And the parent looks at this and says, if you put that darn phone down, you know, you'll be getting A's instead of B's. So they they think it's a psychological problem. They're trying to con- convince the child through a therapist that they really need to change. Right. And um, Dr. Jay, I just want to go back to you. Um, I, I remember there was a report uh, by the, by the uh, China Game Industry Research Institute uh, that was released last year, which showed that um, the problem of minors' addiction to online games have uh, been uh, resolved on the mainland, uh, according to that report. But it highlighted concerns that much of the time originally spent on um, on uh, these games was being used uh, by these uh, youngsters to browse short videos. Um, and what have you noticed? Is that something you've seen too? Like, for example, like a binge video watching? Uh, yes. Um, I think um, the family members misunderstand the playing games as a enemies or an evil things. But uh, yes, they allow them to watch videos. And that will also uh, cause the young people to uh, spending lots of time to uh, 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 lots of uh, screen time. And um, that is why um, so that that is I think uh, the the uh, the parents are more likely uh, allow their young people to browse the videos. But those young people they they don't fall into sleep uh, early. Then it will uh, affect their academic uh, performance. And also uh, some of them may uh, drop out from school. They just uh, stay at home and watching the videos and playing games and also uh, maybe manage their, their, their audio platforms to interact with people on, on, on the internet. And I think that is a problem because um, when I, I now, I'm now uh, undergo a, a research uh, uh, clinical trials to help those uh, uh, families with uh, internet gaming problems uh, among their young people. And um, um, most of their parents uh, found that um, their their children not just uh, uh, except, uh, involve excessive gaming and also have uh, watching lots of videos and 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 online things and that will um, harm both their uh, uh, children uh, parents relationship and also their um, 
nail down their scope of uh, uh, social life and also their their academic uh, performance. Yeah, that is a problem. I think. Right. That sounds kind of interesting. So um, h- how did you manage to find these families? Did they approach you or yeah, or, or did you, I mean, how did you manage to find them for, for your clinical trial? I, I, I think uh, most of our referral are from the school. Mm-hmm. And uh, those school, uh, uh, the school social workers, they identify those children. They have uh, a, a maybe uh, a health-seeking from their parents about uh, the, the parenting, the, the uh, children-family relationships in the family, and uh, they found that the gaming problem is already um, um, affect their, their, their schooling. Um, maybe they uh, wake up very late, they uh, again to go to school and uh, may have sometimes may feel, uh, uh, just drop out from the school and then the a school social workers refers those cases to me. And interesting that uh, my, my, my research project, I try to uh, uh, addressing the, the gaming problems, but those are uh, interesting that the, 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 the school social workers refers those children uh, both uh, internet gaming problems and also maybe they involve some diagnosis on uh, ADHD and also uh, ASD. Uh, and also may have some uh, um, uh, social skill problems and make the kind of things are more complicated. And and doc, Dr. Che, it's like in terms of online gaming, gaming in Hong Kong, in your experience, is, is it a, a big problem here? I think so, because um, when I try to find the uh, potential uh, research uh, participants, I, 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 I just launched a, a parent's talk uh, online and there are 500 uh, parents registered to my uh, uh, parents' talk, and uh, 70% their ratings for their children are, are, are internet. Uh, they have internet gaming problems, and they are trying to screen out them and provide some help to them. And I find that this is a, a problem, just a struggle. Uh, and faced by many families in Hong Kong. Right, Mr. Hoffman, what, what's your assessment? Do you, do you also think it's a serious problem in Hong Kong? Well, I think you have to be careful about how to um, define internet gaming disorder and to get internet gaming addiction. Uh, there's a lot of parents, most parents look at their kid and say, I really wish you'd spend less time on your games and more time studying. I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a, a parent in Hong Kong who says, no, 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 you're you need to play more more video games. You need to relax more. Right? So a lot of parents will say, yes, my kid is, is addicted. But the, you know, so what really is addictive? If the kid is not getting their, their schoolwork done, they're not taking care of their hygiene, they're not eating right, they're, it's really interfering in their life, then yes, okay, this, this sounds like an addiction. It's really causing them problems in their life. But a lot of kids, they're still getting by in their in their classes. And they're and they're um, just doing a relatively large amount of gaming. Now the the, the key is, if they really are, in um, uh, if they really are playing too much in the way of games, and everyone would say that, that this is just too much. The question is why? Why are they doing this? Most likely, there's something going on inside of them. Either they're unhappy, and this is an escape. Um, they feel incompetent at their schoolwork, and so. They, they go into gaming where they're really good and they feel like they have some, some kind of capability. 
they have some family issues they're trying to forget about. It's just like a, a substance addiction where you try to numb yourself from bad feelings. You numb yourself from bad feelings with an internet addiction. Well, I guess, uh, Mr. Hoffman, it's in Hong Kong, it is very stressful, especially for kids, if you're being brought mm. up in like the local education system. So in, in a way, and also, I guess, you know, I guess culture uh, plays plays a role into it as well. You know, these things, it really causes a lot of stress to those children. And in a way, they're trying to find online gaming as a way out, right? Right, yeah. right. It's a, it's a relief. It's a de-stressor. And so, you know, some some is is okay. Some gaming is terrific. You know, mm -hmm. it helps the kid de-stress. It maybe makes some good friends online. They have things to talk about with their friends at school because they're all playing the same game. Mm -hmm. It's important not to pathologize all all kinds of uh, internet gaming. But when it does become intense and it is interfering with their life, the question is not, you know, how do we take this away from them, but rather, what's going on in this child's life that is making them need this internet gaming to numb themselves, to forget other things. And just going back to my previous question, I want to ask, ask uh, for your opinion as well, in terms of like in China, reducing their playtime hours uh, from Mondays to Sundays, one hour, uh, 90 minutes a day to only one hour on the weekends. Like, how do you feel about that? Like, you know, do you think that's a bit too much or do you think that's actually, as Dr. Jet said, it's, it's a balance? Well, n never having been much of an internet gaming gamer myself <laughs> since... I reached adulthood just when you know the, the first games were, were coming out. I've never, I, I, I can't really say, oh, I think this is enough or too much. Um, it's certainly less than the kids want, um, but you know, we all adjust to you know what the situation is. If you can't do something, well, you stop wanting it and you do something else. Maybe you like watch videos, or maybe some of them will go out and play in the streets. Right. I, I just want to. Right. I just want to go go back to uh, Dr. J. Um, we just uh, we just heard we just heard uh, what Mr. Hoffman uh, was talking about uh, his definition of what uh, internet gaming addiction is like. Uh, basically, as long as the kid can uh, do his work and perform well uh, in school or perform perform okay in school, then it's uh, you know then it's fine. It's not really doesn't have to be classified as an addiction. What's your um, definition? When when should we be worried? Yeah, I, I think uh, the first thing is um, as a uh, maybe so-called normal kids, they will and involve different activities, and they, they will develop their their maybe hobbies, and they will engage with their their, their classmates, their friends to have some uh, uh, sport activities and going out with the family members. They have their personal interests, but if if a young people they uh, engage with the um, the, the, the gaming activities or some kinds of addictive behaviors, their their life platforms will become narrowed down. They will give up their original uh, interest activities. They just focus on what they are doing. For example, their game uh, in, uh, more focused on gaming. This is the first thing. The second thing will will, will be the the, the 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 loss of controls. For example, they expect to to games. Maybe uh, they agree with their parents for uh, two hours, but uh, they always cannot uh, stop and they don't control their their gaming times. Maybe they they uh, maybe play over four hours, five hours. And recently, we in our surveys we found that um, um, most of uh, 
gamers, they have uh, involved a kind of uh, binge gaming. The definition is that they are excessive gaming uh, in a single section over uh, five hours. And that is quite common among our young people. So I, I, I estimate about uh, 30% uh, gamers, they involve these kinds of uh, binge gaming. And uh, the third one will be uh, there are already involved different kinds of uh, problems or relationship problems or they can't uh, uh, fulfill their responsibilities as a, a student and they they they, they are uh, just just don't uh, care about any negative consequence uh, lead to uh, uh, their life and by the by the gaming uh, activities those will be we, we need to care about the, the, the young people may uh, probably have some gaming problems. All right, I so think Dr. Jet, just hold yeah. your thought there for a moment. We'll have to take a short break uh, for the news. Um, let's continue our discussion afterwards in around uh, two minutes' time. And uh, if you want to ask our guests questions or just share your views on today's topics, you can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266. Now, here's a quick look at the weather, mainly cloudy, sunny, intervals later with a top temperature of around 23 degrees. Winds moderate east to northeasterlies. And the outlook, sunny intervals in the next couple of days. At the moment, it's at 19 degrees, relative humidity 71%. It's now 9.30 with a new summary. Here's Barry O'Rourke. A mental health expert says it's taking longer for organisations to come across people with drug issues. Sky Siu, executive director of the Keeley Support Group, was commenting on official figures that show the total number of reported drug abusers in the first three quarters of the year increased by 5%, while those aged under 21 declined by 12%. Ms Siu said occasional drug use took longer to detect than daily use, and users may not reach out for support in the initial stage of their habit. A psychiatrist says she expects there will be a huge demand for the government's new 24-hour mental health hotline, which has just been launched. Dr May Lam, founder and president of the Hong Kong Mental Wellness Association, says combining all the support lines available in the community to a single number that's easy to remember, 18111, will make it easier for people to access support and services. And the Israeli War Cabinet Minister, Benny Gantz, has said the military could take matters into its own hands if the world and the Lebanese government do not do more to stop the militant group Hezbollah from launching attacks at its northern border. We'll have more news for you at 10 o'clock. The Education Bureau has launched the eApp online application system for this year's Hong Kong Diploma of Secondary Education Examination Candidates. Students can lodge advanced applications for sub-degree and undergraduate degree programs not covered by the Joint University Programs Admission System. Eligible applicants may receive conditional offers before the release of examination results. Please visit www.eapp.gov.hk for details. Cervical cancer is common among women in Hong Kong, and regular screening is an effective way of preventing it. Women aged 25 to 64 who ever had sex should have regular cervical screening. Even if you have reached menopause, have no symptoms, or have no family history of cervical cancer, you still need regular screening. Love yourself. Have you had your screening yet? Visit cervicalscreening.gov.hk for details.
Welcome back. This is uh, Back Chat on a Thursday morning with Philip Wong and me, Janice Wong. Still with us on the program is Dr. Nick Te, Assistant Professor from the Department of Applied Social Sciences at the HKCT Institute of Higher Education, and also Timothy Hoffman, a therapist from Hoffman Psychological Counseling. Now, um, just before the news, uh, Dr. Te, you're talking about uh, um, signs that we should watch out for when, uh, when considering whether a kid uh, is addicted uh, to uh, internet gaming. Um, do you think, I mean, when we look at uh, these uh, sort of addiction to uh, um, video games, is it more difficult to spot? Because uh, unlike other addictions, for example, uh, drugs or alcohol, um, nothing physical is being consumed. Dr. J? Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe I put it very simple into uh, three points. First one is uh, impair of controls over gaming. And I think it it will be more easy for the parents to uh, spot these issues because uh, the young people, if they uh, he uh, they are unable to control the frequency, intensity, duration, and onset and terminations of their gaming activities, that will be very easy for the uh, parents to identify the impaired controls over gaming. I, I think it will be need to observe a long period of times uh, whether the students or their children can terminate their, their gaming prob- uh, activities. The second will be the uh, increasing priorities given to gaming. And that means uh, the, the young people, they have or originally have different kinds of activities and, and their interests. But uh, after they involve uh, intensely, intensively or excessive uh, gaming habits, then they give up uh, all of these kind of activities and interests. I think these two points, the, the parents will be more easy to uh, spot out. And the third one will be the continuations or escalation of gaming, uh, despite uh, negative consequences. What are the ne- negative consequences we may observe? For example, they uh, um, maybe they uh, drop a lot on the academic performance. They are uh, they just don't go to school and uh, stay at homes and they uh, uh, also impaired the relationship between the the children-parents relationship. And also, uh, we are more easy to see that the the young people, they may, uh, uh, for example, a uh, parent have uh, uh, yesterday evening and call me that uh, because the gaming problems, uh, uh, her daughters, didn't uh, uh, showers for uh, five days. That that will be a, a sign for us to uh, observe at least these three uh, symptoms or these three things uh, in a long run. For example, uh, 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 twelve months. For example, if the, the phenomenon or the consequence or the signs are increasing or escalating, we must uh, seek help from the professionals, for example, social workers and cancer. Uh, Dr. Jie, so, you know, those three points that you mentioned, you, you mentioned the first two points, you know, parents should, you know, be, it, it should be easy for parents to spot that, you know, their child is having like an online gaming addiction. I guess the issue is, though, is whether, you know, parents or the families are willing to seek help. You know, is that, you know, a problem, uh, do you think? I think... I think um the, the, the big problem is not the parents willing to seek help, but uh, at the same time, it's the children unwilling to involve in the in the helping uh, process, and and also uh, when the parents seek help from us, 
they have already in a very difficult times with their children. Maybe their children just uh, locked in the rooms and uh, just uh, uh, come out to have uh, dinner, or, or they just pick up the dinner and back to the rooms for his gaming. That is a problem make us very difficult because the problem is becoming more serious, and we need to maybe do some homework for them to engage the young people, and they always show us a, a, a unwillingness to talk to us. And that, that, this, this is the one thing. And the second thing is the, the, the children, they may have some, uh, maybe if they can't uh, gaming, they may have a, a strong emotion, and uh, they may uh, beat their parents, and uh, they may shout in their flats, and that will cause uh, many, uh, maybe have involved some uh, self-harm uh, behaviors to manipulate their parents to give them to uh, playing games, and that will maybe the parents just are uh, very um, helpless that uh, they may call police or they may send their children to uh, uh, mental hospitals, and 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 that's why I urge or or suggest those parents if they find that they have um, some conflict with their children's. Um, uh, on, on the gaming issues, they may they can already start the health seeking uh, 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 process. Right, and, and Mr. Hoffman, what if I mean, can you share some of your experience? I mean, do you also did you also uh, have you been encountering similar problems like uh, what Dr. Jay has been talking about? And what advice do you usually uh, give parents on how what they can do at home maybe to to um, better regulate uh, the use of um, the internet uh, for for the children? Well, uh, there's uh, one important thing to, to keep in mind is that the presenting problem of internet addiction, internet gaming addiction, is not always the actual problem. So this is a common common um, way of thinking about things when you when when you see families when a therapist sees a family, so they often bring in, here's the kid, he's got an internet problem, internet gaming addiction. The rest of the family is fine, everything is terrific, and he's the problem. Please fix him. But actually, what it sometimes turns out to be is that there's dynamics going on in the family. For example, conflict between the parents and the kid is avoiding that conflict by playing a lot of video games to not hear the arguments. Or there is um, you know, favoritism, the, the child feels that he's, he's ignored and therefore he plays a lot of video games and that way he gets lots of attention from the parents. It's negative attention, but it's still attention. And so you know, it's very easy to say, Oh, here's the behavior. This is what's going on. Very clear. Fix the internet gaming addiction and everything is going to be fine. But often it's just a symptom of what the genuine problem is. So I'm hesitant to tell people, you know, it's very clear that you just need to set these limits and agree with your kid and do this and have penalties and, you know, for for uh, overplaying and so forth. Dr. J, like I, I want to know about your experience on this as well. Like earlier, Mr. Hoffman mentioned, you know, it is important to understand, you know, why the children are, you know, relying so much on online gaming and social media. What's your experience on this? Yeah, I, I agree with uh, Tim that um, the 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 reason why the pe uh, young people engage with the internet that is a uh, different. Uh, incentive for them for example they may be playing games uh in a very uh, to uh, on the very top 
of the tables and they feel very uh, uh, capable or they, they feel recognized by the peers. And on the other hand, we can think, we realize that the young people, they may lack of uh, support or lack of uh, recognition in their uh, school. And that's why I, I, I think that is one, one thing that uh, during the adolescence, they, they uh, try to uh, get peers' uh, uh, recognitions from uh, among their peers. So that's why uh, one thing is um, uh, the, 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 the positive reinforcements they uh, get from the gaming. And also another uh, aspect is maybe they have some... Um, uh, family issue, their personal issue, and we need to uh, go into deeper understand, not just uh, uh, just focus on the presenting problems. And second, I think uh, when I talk with uh, talk to the uh, parents, we find that there are two um, dominant uh, uh, kinds of uh, parenting uh, when the uh, pre- uh, Hong Kong parents try to uh, deal with the, the gaming problems with their, their children is um, one is the, the relatively authoritarian parenting. That means uh, they, 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 they restrict their children a lot and uh, less uh, responsive or less uh, uh, explanations to the young people why they need to obey this uh, uh, regulation or restriction of their gaming behaviors in the families. And the, and the other one is uh, a permissive uh, pa- parenting. That means that the, the, the parents just uh, uh, appease them and uh, hope, hope uh, those uh, children don't uh, uh, have a strong emotion, don't uh, self-harm. That will uh, make the, 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 the children some more um, manipulating in the relationships between their, their, their parents and also and try to... Uh, it will more overuse the, the, the intellect and, and game, develop a, a, a poor uh, gaming habit. And these two kinds of parenting are very, make me very uh, uh, worry about those uh, children because um, um, the young people are, are just, just, just may, some of them may, may use their, their, their their strategies or their emotions, their 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 shame of their their parents to manipulate the relationship and try to continue their 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 gaming uh, habits. That is not good for their their development. For example, a a a uh, twelve years old daughter's um uh, she locked in the house for gaming and don't go to school and they. Uh, she argue with their parents a lot, and they just uh, um, um, spend the 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 save her savings to to one uh, single uh, gaming uh, uh, sections, and every day ask and beg their parents to uh, uh, give her a uh, four hundred dollars on uh, in games. Uh, uh, building uh, or, or buying some items uh, from the game, and and uh, the parents know that uh, they can't afford, and they they are they don't willing to give those monies for the for their children. But their 
their children's uh, death very please and 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 their, their parents fears her emotion ex, emotional explosions and also some uh, self harms then um they just give the monies to her daughters to continue her her habit right um mr hoffman so mm-hmm. i was just wondering like when when uh, a child is actually maybe uh, confirmed to be addicted to internet gaming um how is this addiction usually treated well, I mean, I think the, the the best way to do this is in the family unit. It's not it's not just to take the kid out and say, okay, you have a problem. There's there's something in you that is uh, it is wrong, and that just makes them feel even worse about themselves. And usually, people are are kids are playing these games because they're not feeling very good about themselves. So you know, if as as in uh, the, the, that case that Doctor Ted was saying that. The child is not going to school, um, just staying in the room all day long and playing video games. The, the the parents should approach the kid and say, "Look, there's something going on in this family that's you know making you do this. It's making it's not your fault. It's not our fault. It would just it's just the way that we're all relating to each other. We need to figure out what's going on and help you because we're afraid that you know you'll end up just never getting out of school and never having a good job. And we're we're concerned about." You know, the, you're going to be your your life is going to be affected. Instead of saying you're the problem, we're going to take you to a doctor and make you stop this. That just makes the child feel worse. Right. And Doctor Dare, just out of curiosity, what happened in that case? Is that girl going back to school now, or or? No, it- no, no. That 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 case just 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 in a inquiry process. We try to. I will call her daughters tonight to see uh, how she responds to our invitations for for the counseling. And I, I, I agree with uh, Tim that um, we uh, try to involve both parties in a more productive way because uh, at the beginning of health seeking, the parents just want the, the, the children try to stop their gaming behaviors. But on the other hand, the young people is just want to uh, remain the same. Uh, I, I want to play games. And in the counseling process, we try to prepare both of parties and uh, try to put them together in a, uh, a, a positive atmosphere and try to understand their, their difficulties, their, uh, their, 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 their intentions, and, and try to uh, narrow down their, their discrepancy and come up with a, a change plan. And for me, I, I, I would love to use uh, a motivational interviewing and we uh, try to develop a new kinds of uh, interactions that is a collective motivational interviewing that will be a kind of uh, counseling and motivational therapies involved the concerns of living others. And other literatures may support to addressing the uh, internet gaming problems, for example, uh, uh, cognitive behavioral therapies or uh, there are some uh, clinical trials on uh, multi-dimensional uh, family therapies. Those, those have some preliminary uh, uh, positive outcome to support to addressing these problems. But in Hong Kong, we do a lot on uh, doing a, a clinical trial on uh, uh, collective motivational interviewing. We hope that we can find some ways uh, more effective to help this uh, family. 
Uh, Mr. Hoffman, just really quick from you. Um, yep. I, I think education is very important in terms of like, you know, teaching the kids why, you know, um, uh, gaming addiction is bad for, for them and, you know, uh, for them growing up. But how important is it to educate the parents as well? You know, obviously in Hong Kong, I don't think we're going to go, you know, follow China's rules as banning, you know, people playing games. But it is it is important as well to educate the parents, let them understand that you know there are good and bads into uh, online gaming. I think parents know that there's plenty of bad things about about online gaming. I don't think there needs to be that much education. Mm. I think the issue is getting getting people to find a way out of it. Mm. And I think what Dr. Says said about um, motivational interviewing is very important. If you go to a child and say you've got a problem, you have to fix this, the response will be defensive. No, I don't. Everything is fine. But if you, but that child knows for sure that there are things going on in, in with his behavior or her behavior that is making this untenable. And if you can get them on your side, and to say, yeah, actually, I mean, I really like gaming, but I don't have time to do this, or I'm getting really bad scores in school, and I'm afraid about my future, then you've got them motivated <clears throat> to try and fix things. All right, uh, Mr. Hoffman, uh, we have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us on the program. And uh, that's uh, Timothy Hoffman, a therapist from Hoffman Psychological Counseling. Many thanks also to Nick Dare, Assistant Professor from the Department of Applied Social Sciences at the HKCT Institute of Higher Education. It's now 9.49 and in a moment uh, we'll talk about the waste pileup spotted outside a government-funded recycling station in Hong Hum and uh, what we can do to prevent it from happening again. Operation Santa Claus 2023 is on. The annual charity fundraising drive jointly organized by Radio Television Hong Kong and the South China Morning Post is, for the 36th time, helping those in Hong Kong who need it the most. Operation Santa Claus has raised more than 369 million Hong Kong dollars for over 338 wonderful charity projects over the years. If you would like to help by donating any amount at all or by arranging your own fundraising event, just go to our website for all the details. OSCHK.org. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88266 and have your say. Government-funded recycling centers are being ordered to continue to provide a service during holiday periods after a large amount of recyclables were spotted piled up outside a recycling facility in Hong Hong, which was closed over the Christmas break. To comment on this, we're now joined on the line by Dr. Yao Wing Kwong, the Chief Executive Officer of Environmental Association. Good morning, Dr. Yao. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. So um, have you seen the pictures of the pile-up of waste? Yes, uh, it's amazing, yeah, <laughs> astonishing. But uh, well, there are some some you know good points about it. Is people even in the holiday they remember to recycle their stuff. <laughs> but uh, arrangement arrangement has to be done better. So maybe I can talk a little bit about the background. So sure. we have been operating a recycling center for more than ten years. Initially, we applied for funding to run it, and then the government has changed the arrangement to tendering our to uh, different organizations. And uh, normally, uh, all these organizations that run this uh, recycling stores are charity institutes. You know, they, they, they are their charity and then they run it uh, on a tender base for 
two years to three years, and then they have to resubmit a tender again based on the deliverables, you know, how well they're doing, et cetera. So, so they are actually, we are, we are already careful in running our, our stores, our recycling stores, because we are facing the public every day. Mm. So we have all kinds of people who take the recycling, recyclables in. So there are mainly two kinds of uh, people who take the recycling. One is they care about how many pawns they can collect after mm. taking the recycling in. So, so the arrangement is that they come in, they, uh, they put the recyclables on the scale, and they have to separate whether it's plastic, like, uh, aluminium, or paper. So there, there is a process that takes about several minutes to do it. And then, and then we crawl on their, their car so that they can have the pawns, you know, what we call it, the six pawns. And then the pawns can be used to exchange for things like uh, instant noodles, rice, um, and even toilet paper. So and and the other kind of people is that they don't really care about the the, the points. They just take the recyclables in, just uh, give it to our staff or part time, and then they they leave. So so these are mainly two kinds of people that do that. Now, when we come up to holidays, usually we put notices up in uh, the front of the shop, and then we also put on the social media. Now for this particular issue, we actually put up notice 16 days, you know, more than two weeks before the holiday, before the 22nd of uh, December, you know. And uh, so, and even when, when they come to uh, take things to our shop, usually our staff, if they have time, they would tell them, oh, we are closing on which day, uh, and we are closing early on, 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 say, Friday or Sunday. So just to let them know. And then the notice was put on the front door. So we are they are well notified of uh, what's going to happen, but again, you know, people would forget, and uh, so they still take their recyclables in, and then when they come to the front door, you can, it's understandable that they may have some uh, somewhere else to go to. They don't want to take the bags of recyclables with them to go shopping or seeing a movie. So uh, unfortunately, they just dump it on the front door. But uh, by the way you look at it, they are they are not just dumping it every, anywhere on the pedestrian walk. They try to put it into the little place where where they can they can leave. It. Uh, that's the place where we we put a, a collection you know a box where they can put it overnight. If they come at night time and we close, they can put they can put the recyclables there. But then the uh, uh, it's just overwhelmed by the amount of recyclables, so that's what happened. All right, so so in future, what do you think uh, can be done? I mean, I know you already said uh, the, there are signs put up telling people that uh, uh, the the, uh, the uh, recycling station will be closed, but what do you think uh, can be done in future to prevent something like this from happening again? I know um, the Environmental Protection Department has already issued a warning letter and it will mandate all operators of government-funded recycling stations to provide additional services during the holidays. But uh, do you have any mm-hmm. other suggestions on what can be done? Yes, I think I think I think uh, what we can do a bit more. Uh, at present, what the arrangement is, even when the the stores are closed, we arrange staff to come in, and that is also as requested by the the, the department. You know, uh, before the the closure, is that we have a st- two staff that come in from um, eleven o'clock, and then again at seven o'clock. 
to clear any recyclables being left at the front door. So, so, uh, so that has been done, and, and we did that. And uh, even in our store, we have bags of uh, recyclables there, but, but the situation wasn't as astonishing as a hong hum. But so our staff came in and, and cleared the front door, so that keeps the, uh, the place tidy and, and, and look nice. Um, I think in the future, what we can do is um, we can increase the uh, number of time that our staff come in to clear the front door. And, uh, but then again, you, you understand that everyone needs holiday, so uh, it's not an easy job to get it fully open during the holiday time to get staff in. And uh, of course, the, the other way is make it fully open and uh, just my normal hours. But uh, of course, that would need extra resources, extra manpower uh, to do that. But I think after this news, uh, uh, this wild coverage of uh, uh, news uh, about this this uh, recycle, you know, uh, being powered up, I think people would, you know, notice more about the closing time, and uh, we'll be aware, and then and then we'll not take things in during the closure time. Uh, Dr. Yao, I mean, I can completely understand why, you know, the charity organizations want to give, you know, public holidays, especially during Christmas time, you know, to the staff you know, off. But I mean, in terms of those stations, can it not be self-service as in does it really need to be staffed? Right. The, the, the problem is uh, if you, we leave it open without any uh, management of people mm-hmm. there, it will get... Uh, pretty messy and people you know you, you see what happened outside the front door then if they put it inside the, the shop the same thing will happen it will be scattered all around and then things piled up and then uh, what we're afraid of is that maybe they have some drinks in there that the water comes out the fluid come out then people may slip and fell over and so that would be quite messy so so what what we are doing now is we have people who come in, you know, uh, for two hours during the closure time, but uh, that can be increased to maybe be open for a day, and uh, we have to just minimum staff there, and then we won't give points. So if we are not doing the the, the waiving of, you know, we, if we, they don't need to put them on the scale, and then to get the points, then it will be, will be a very easy process. They just come in, take the bag, and then our staff will take it inside, and that's, that's, that's all. So that will be with a minimum staff, we can do that, and, and uh, there will be no more problem of being recyclables being left in the front door. Right. Do you think uh, all the recycling stations uh, will be able to uh, do that? I mean, do they have the manpower? Well, I, I think uh, if we have uh, arrangement early, uh, you know, notices, and uh, we can have that arranged. You know, I, I talk to my staff, and uh, and they are not happy to see what happened as well. You know, all, all this power and affecting the right. the public image. All right, so, Dr. Yao. Uh, unfortunately, all right, Dr. Yao. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, we have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us on the program. That's uh, Dr. Yao Wing Kong, the Chief Executive Officer of Environmental Association. Many thanks also to you who commented or emailed us today and, of course, to our guest presenter, Philip, and producer, Raphael. Andrew Work and Mike Rouse will be back again tomorrow with another edition of Back Chat.